right, everybody, welcome back to Mixed Doubles. Abigail did not did not quite agree with my choice of opener. I thought the fun little like exciting part was a little bit, you know, before that. So kind of wasted a minute waiting for this thing to kick in. But here we are. We're back, you know. We built the anticipation. <laughs> yeah, we we're just building hype. This is just us artificially building hype for uh you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of biased, but it is my favorite show in KCOU, so I'm I'm very excited. It's in my top five myself, please. Oh, for sure. We're back. We're back, we're back on we, air. We're officially back. You know what? Before we get in all the sports stuff, you know, all the 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 very impersonal opinions, all that kind of stuff. Abigail, how was your summer, man? Just how was how was your summer? My summer went well. I really really enjoyed it. I went back to Dubuque, Iowa, had a remote internship, got to hang out with my family all summer. Honestly, best decision I could have made, and I'm really, really grateful that I was able to spend that time with my family, went on some trips with them, just got to hang, lots of walks with my dog. It was just kind of exactly what I needed, and I'm really glad that I just kind of trusted my gut and did that, and it was it was really, really fun. What about you? Um, I had a very, very fun summer. Um, I, I also went home, had an internship at 417 Magazine, a local like regional magazine. It was a lot of fun. The people there are awesome. I got to meet the DRF at a conference, so that was very cool. And, you know, I, I got to say, though, the highlight was definitely going to see Taylor Allison Swift in concert uh, at Arrowhead Stadium, my favorite stadium, one of my favorite artists, and then uh, promptly leaving the concert and driving three hours to St. Louis so I could fly to Mexico at, like, four in the morning. So uh, thank the Lord that TSA was... Uh, was very speedy at four in the morning, you know? So, you know, God, God bless him. Because if I would have missed that trip to Mexico, my mother, I would not be here. My mother would have killed me. But <laughs> Those text updates were some of the funniest live updates I've ever received from Blaze Fields. And that's saying something because he is a rather funny texter. But the like 12 a.m., 1 a.m., 2 a.m. updates on his route to the uh, airport the, to then get to Mexico was, was very enjoyable. But yeah, Taylor Swift, honestly, one of the top 10 highlights of my life and I know that sounds so dramatic but the pure exhilaration and just how surreal it was to see her within spitting this like she was right there yeah, like, yeah she yeah. was right there it was insane it was like a childhood dream come true Wait, but did even you... cooler than that watching my sister react to her like my sister is one of those absolute diehard Swifties I am uh -huh. up there but I can't even hold that crown compared to Leah she was in tears from the opening opening song and we both had not looked at the set list prior to watching so we weren't sure what song would come next or what era would follow and so the opening chords would play and we would just be like screaming at the top of our lungs apologies to anyone <laughs> seated near us it was incredible did you did, did you go to kansas city yeah i was the night after you oh yeah there. the night after so yeah. speak now weekend i had already planned on wearing a purple dress and then just worked out literally perfectly uh, yeah, absolutely fun. Other experiences, I actually got to make it to two Brewers games this summer. Wow, very which cool. Which was really fun. I've been following a lot more closely this season than ever before. Okay. So both times with my dad, super, super fun. And yeah, that's kind of my recap. Nice, very cool. I wish I could, I don't actually wish I could have gone to a Cardinals game. That would be so unbelievably depressing, but. They're not doing so well. They're not, they're not doing so hot, but, um, you know, hope to make it back there next season. Just didn't have time. Didn't have time this summer to go to a Cardinals game. I did go to a, a Kansas NASCAR race like towards the end of the school year. So that was my latest sporting event. I want to go to the next one, but um, I think it's Labor Day weekend. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to go to that. Anyway, um, we're back. We're a sports show. So let's, let's talk some sports. So first of all, biggest headline of the week, I think, so far. Jonathan Taylor is seeking a trade from the Colts after talks stall on his extension you know, I kind of thought this would be a Josh Jacobs and uh, Saquon Barkley situation where they were just going to hold out for as long as possible and then be like, all right, we'll sign the contract, whatever. But it seems like Jonathan Taylor and Jim Ursay, they, there's some bad blood brewing there. Uh, I think Jim Ursay said something to the effect of like, um, you know, we don't, we, we don't like, at, they had a conversation and then in his press conference after that, he was like, well, we all die one day, so it's not that big of a deal. And I was like, "What? Like, like, what's happening? What? What did Jonathan Taylor say to you that made you so ex existential crisis like?" <laughs> but the Colts have, you know, given them permission to go seek trades from any other team. So, Abigail, uh, where do you where do you see him going? 
I would have said the Patriots until Ezekiel Elliott announced a couple of weeks ago that he was going to the Patriots. Right? You're looking at yeah, me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Uh, I'm kind of feeling the Chargers, Cardinals, Dolphins, all three could use a quarter, uh, running back. Yeah. I don't know if any of those teams have enough capital just on hand right now to pull them, though. Yeah. Maybe the Dolphins. I mean, the Bears could forever need a running back. I feel like the Bears <laughs> never steal the deal and actually bring someone in valuable, although they have Montgomery. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I So my thing is, I, I the favorite to me is obviously the Dolphins. They're the only known team that has made a trade offer. Yeah. Um, but I really do feel like the Bears, they have an obvious need at running back. They they lost their, their main running back is Khalil Herbert. Montgomery went to... Uh, went to the Lions and I mean they've got a lot of draft capital they've got a lot of cap space like they can they can afford to splurge on a running back so I kind of feel like if the Bears want to like you know there's kind of a power vacuum now that Aaron Rodgers is gone you know the Vikings are very good as well but the Bears could kind of just sneak in there maybe grab a wild card spot with how good Justin Fields has been and Abigail you posed this question in our little in our little script here uh does this take them off your fantasy draft favorites I said that, and I actually think in some ways it elevates him because I think he has more yards potential not playing for the Colts. Yeah. But not if he goes to the Bears, and probably not even if he goes to the Dolphins. So I would say it depends on what team he ends up with. You still have to have an offense that has lasts more than one or two drives. I don't think that's the Bears necessarily. I honestly don't know if going to the Bears helps Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if they have more potential than the Colts do I think some of this might be a ploy just to see if there's any more money that the Colts are willing to give him I mean fair fair enough this does really I mean this might all just be negotiation tactics but I really do feel like he's probably not coming back to the Colts I will say the Dolphins would probably be able to use him as like a receiving threat and that would probably help a lot and with the Bears though Justin Fields he he's kind of the one run he is the RB1 for the yeah, Chicago Bears for better or so worse <laughs> I kind of feel like that would hurt his fantasy stock a little bit but I don't know it's it's still too early to decide maybe a team like the uh the 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 Kansas City Chiefs walks in I don't oh, know oh man but as I'll- if you guys need <laughs> anyone else I don't know I also saw I also the saw Jets s- will probably take him that's what's gonna happen he's gonna end up <laughs> he the goes Jets, to the Jets and then they're gonna get another guy and then yeah they're just gonna win I don't know I I'm also interested to see if maybe the Denver Broncos try to make a play for him I was wondering that too but I didn't know if that was my Bronco bias but I kind of could see him working really well under Sean Payton's more classical style of offense yeah I kind of like that myself I don't know I I still think it's way too early to write off Jonathan Taylor as a guy who doesn't deserve like 12 million dollars and I just think the whole running back market in general is so messed up right now that there's gonna have to be some sort of outside force or rule change yeah that you know they are so undervalued as an offensive position. It's kind of sad, and I understand that there's like a crop of young running backs who haven't lost a step because they aren't pay- playing like two years in the NFL before come. You know, so I I understand why there's that sort of like value disparity, but there are tons of good running backs that deserve lots of money because they're elite. You know. Like yeah, you, look, you look at a guy, there's no reason why Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott should be, well, not so much as Zeke, but there's no reason a guy like Dalvin Cook should be signing like the last few weeks before the season starts. I know. So I am surprised the Vikings didn't fight harder for him. That one hurt as a Packers fan. Gotta say. <laughs> what? It, it hurts seeing Dalvin Cook go, go out of the division? Well, it hurts seeing that Rodgers gets Dalvin Cook. Oh, that's fair. That helps his offense, Man, and I don't so appreciate that. Would you say that as a Packers fan, the New York Jets are now enemy number one and not like the Chicago Bears? Well, Chicago Bears have never been enemy number one because they're not a threat. Uh, okay. You know, the like, Jets are also not really a threat as we don't really have to play them in our schedule. Yeah. They're not enemy number one. I just I hope they don't do as well as right now their roster looks like they might do. I mean, yeah. they They have a scary roster. They might be... I don't know. They I'm might... a lovable fan. I don't really have enemy number ones, but I, I can do. hold a grudge. Who's your enemy number one? Oh, the Denver Broncos. I hate them. Really? Even though they will it's, not beat you? It's, it's that Peyton Manning trauma. Oh, my goodness. Peyton Manning is... Did you know Peyton Manning is now teaching for UT? He's I did I did in the see communications that. department. In-person class. Can you imagine walking in seeing Professor Manning? Professor Manning? Teaching that'd be... your comm 101? <laughs> like, that's awesome. That's that's crazy. Well, moving on to some, some kind of sadder news. Yeah. Angels starting pitcher slash designated hitter Shohei Otani out as a pitcher for the rest of 2023 
with a torn UCL. Now, normally, you know, you lose a guy like that to a to like tearing your UCL. You know, you're losing a lot of value there. But Shohei Otani is still going to be batting. So, you know, he's still got a chance to hit 60 home runs in a single season or something crazy like that. But it's just heartbreaking to me personally because we've been talking about, or at least sports media has been talking about, how much money is Shohei Otani going to be getting yeah. in 2023, like in the in the offseason. And I was interested to see if he was going to hit $800 million, how big this bidding war was going to get. And I feel like this injury is kind of going to affect that, especially if he gets Tommy John surgery, because that would leave him out the entirety of 2024 for pitching. He would still be able to hit. He's still an elite batter. But, you know, he's just so good for baseball. He really is right now the face of baseball, no matter what, you know, anybody wants to say about, oh, a non-English speaking guy can't be the face of baseball. That's such a dumb take. That's the dumbest take I've ever seen because this man is literally the best baseball player to ever exist. And now seeing him go from best baseball player ever to top 10 hitter in the league, it kind of sucks. It It really sucks. I see your question. Do you think this is going to affect his MVP aspirations? In a way, I think maybe it almost elevates his MVP aspirations because he can still play and still make an impact on the team. The fact that he can continue to play with a torn UCL means he is the most valuable player (laughs) on their team. How many other people with a torn UCL can play on their roster? That's that's actually so factual. That's so factual. Thank you. I'm spitting facts. What can I say? That's actually probably one of the... I didn't even think about that. That's literally one of the best takes I've ever heard. I'm not going to lie. Thank you so much. (laughs) Because, no, you're... You're exactly right, though, because normally that happens and like Shohei Otani is the best pitcher on their team. You lose the best pitcher on your team. They now offer no value. Right. Shohei Otani, however, he still offers the value of a top 10 hitter. That's cr- wow. OK. OK, Abigail. And okay. to your point, I have just been following him a lot more this season. He is such a lovable athlete. His character, the way he's changed the game, his relationship to Trout. All the attention and just public support that he brings the yeah. sport of baseball, when in a lot of ways the MLB as a league franchise seems to be doing everything in its power to not bring <laughs> more fans to the game. Yeah. I just hats off to him. Best wishes in his recovery. This is a really heartbreaking story, but I see nothing but positive success in his future and I know his recovery is going to be strong and oh for sure just well, good luck to him honestly and also I mean this is the second time he would be having Tommy John surgery Ugh, which is kind of brutal. it's brutal but it also gives me hope that you know like he's been through the surgery yeah. process the recovery all that kind of stuff but it was just kind of weird because he he exited the game with elbow soreness and he was just like yeah you know like he'll be fine his elbow's just a little bit sore we're just taking him out as precaution and it turned out to be an elbow tear that's that's crazy. So that kind of gives me a little bit of faith that maybe Tommy John surgery as a whole can kind of be avoided, you know, just so you can be like, well, I have no idea. I'm I, not I a know. medical I, expert. I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I hope not. I'm I hope that doctor. he can heal and recover as quickly as possible. But best of luck, regardless of what that looks like for him. Yep. I, I, I love that man. Anyway, we're going to we're going to get into our first like special segment of the year. I'm excited for this. It's going to be a reoccurring segment. And that's all I'm going to say for right now. You're just going to have to tune in after this commercial break. In 50 feet, turn left. Why are you driving so slowly? After a few drinks, I'm taking it slow. Well, you're not fooling the cop behind you. What? Get ready to pay in .1 miles. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. If you love them enough to sit through their favorite boy band with them, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You love them enough to do anything for them. Mom, I need to be wiped. Coming. Including checking NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
going a little bit going a little bit upbeat here because we're going to be talking about some good old-fashioned racing as our first part of our multi-part segment as we head towards the 2026 20 wait no 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 2024 paris olympics very very excited for that um as you know one of our good friends, Kara Brown, she used to have a show on here called The Gold Standard, and she would talk a lot about all the pre-Olympic, you know, goodness that was happening, especially because, I mean, last year was kind of a banger. You had 2021 Olympics, you had 2022 Olympics, all within, like, very, very short time period, so that was that was very, very, very exciting, and so we're, we're doing a little Olympic segment, segment in tribute to her uh, called Race to the Rings. Race to the Rings. Abigail Klapatowskis, give yourself a clap for that one. That was very, very nice. Thank you so much. Well, the gold standard is truly the gold standard of Olympic puns, so we had to choose a different brand. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Kara Brown, graduate legacy. Oh, for sure. But yeah, I'm super excited about this because what's almost more exciting than the Paris 2024 Olympics is all of the Olympic trials. Mm-hmm. And before that is the world championships that give you the prospects to watch for when you hit the Olympic trials oh, come for February sure. 2024. And what is going on right now in Budapest are the track and field world championships. I am so excited. I've been following this for the past week, and I've been sending Blaze clips and names to watch for, races to look out for, and the races are not disappointing. They are as hot as it is in Budapest and, honestly, Columbia, Missouri. All the temperatures off the charts. Let's get into it, shall we? Oh, we shall. I'm so (laughs) So, excited. So first and foremost, uh, we got Carrie Richardson. She's her. She's that woman. After winning the 100 meter, I said with ease, it was actually pretty close, I'm not going to lie. And she also qualified for the 200 meter final. She's going to be going up against the uh, favorite, the Jamaican runner, uh, Shareka Jackson. I'm not, I'm not familiar with her. But yes, but yeah. Harry Richardson had an awesome semifinals and a dominant final performance in the 100 meter. Currently the fastest woman in the world. That is the title you get when you win that race. And this comes after she was not allowed to qualify for the Tokyo Olympics after some marijuana charges off of the track that were highly disputed by athletes and rule the people, uh, <laughs> yeah. judges, yeah, people that it was, make the rules. Uh, it was the like U.S. associate, like U.S. Yeah. anti-doping association, and it's kind of interesting because you know it's not like marijuana is a performance-enhancing drug, and obviously with. The legality of it is very kind of iffy around the United States. It's legal here in Missouri, but you know, doesn't doesn't really matter. You know, um, but it I, was a crushing disappointment. No, it to was her. a crushing disappointment, and also it's just kind of interesting because all of like the major sports leagues they don't really test for that anymore. They don't test for marijuana because it's yeah. become kind of widely accepted as just a normal thing in this country, and it was yeah very controversial. I kind of disagreed with it, and it it definitely hurt missing out on one of the best runners in U.S. history, um, you know, getting a chance to show out at the Olympics. Yeah, but she is back. She's better than ever. In her post-race interviews, she said that she has been keeping relatively quiet in the last year, not letting the press speak for her, not letting them mince her words in interviews, and waiting for the race to speak for itself. And she did. She beat out several high-ranked Jamaican competitors. She brought her all. Also, if you compare her race just recently in the 100 meter final to one year, one and a half years ago when she was able to compete, she is much stronger off the blocks. Her first one and two strides already look better. She's clearly spent the last year training with a re- revenge on her mind. And I am so excited to see what she continues to do heading into Paris. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, because having the Summer Olympics occur. In 2021, you know, I think a lot of these runners, it's kind of messed up the the world, you know, the world championship cycle, the Olympic cycle, all that kind of stuff. And I'd be very interested to see how having that rest of not competing in the Olympics and not yeah. having to like, you know, build up from that cool down, go right back into the world schedule, all that kind of stuff. I really do feel like that's probably helped her a lot and given her a lot more time to focus on like things like you know, tweaking her, her form, you know, trying to find more speed in certain places. Yeah. I mean, runners are crazy. They, you know, especially at the professional level, they're getting every single angle of them taking off the blocks, first one, two stride, all that kind of stuff, just to get that tiny 10th, that one tenth of a second out from, you know, whatever they can. So I, 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 I love Shakari. 
She's one of she is definitely one of the best runners in U.S. women's history, and I'm excited to see what she can do on the stage in Paris. I'm very excited to have her back on the sprints team. I think she's good for the sport. Also good for the American sport is Sydney McLaughlin. However, she has not been competing in the World Championships this cycle. The current fastest in history 400 meter record hurdler holder Sydney McLaughlin was notably missing after quote minor knee issues she's been having a lot of minor knee issues uh, as per her coach and has been missing from several lead-up races before even the world championships however like I said she remains the fastest 400 meter hurdler in the world. She has broken her own world record on several occasions. And not only that, but this training cycle, this season, she said, you know, I wonder what would happen if I took the hurdles out of the equation and just decided to compete in the 400 meter <laughs> open. Because why not? I'm pretty fast with jumping over the hurdles. Might as well just do that as well. And I know a lot of track fans were super excited to see her compete against the top 400 meter racers. And it was a little disappointing to not get a peek into what that race might look like. But does it concern you that she will not have the world championship race under her belt heading into Paris? I don't know, because I, I feel like if she wasn't literally the fastest the fastest person to ever do the 400-meter hurdle, <laughs> um, I would probably be like, yeah, this is concerning. But whenever you are you have that title and you know that you are like at the top of the mountain, you know, you could definitely you can I, I would definitely uh say that, you know. You, you, you've earned it. You've earned yourself to give yourself a little bit of, of, of a break, especially if you've got some minor knee issues. When people look, when people, like, just like the average person looks at your achievements and you're like, oh, I'm an Olympic gold medalist, they're going to be like, yo. But if you're like, oh, I'm a world champion in the 400 meters, they're also going to be like, yo, but not as, you know, they can't picture like the medal. The Olympics is like, you know, the big rings. It's all that kind of stuff. So she's she's only 24. She's got a lot left in the gas tank. So I'm, it, this isn't like one of those situations where we're seeing somebody kind of like in their last Olympic cycle and you're kind of worried about, is it catching up to her? All that kind of stuff. She's 24. She's got a lot of work left to do. I'm very excited to see how she does at the Olympics. That's going to be one of those primetime slots. You're turning on NBC at 7 p.m. And they're like, tonight, Sydney McLaughlin, it's time. You know, like all that kind of stuff. So I'm very hyped and excited to see what she can do in the hurdles. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm not too worried whatsoever. I trust her training. I trust her coach. That's one major difference between all other sports is often these athletes are competing one-on-one, -on -one, have one-on-one -on -one training. So you're not looking at them at team practices. You're not seeing the whole big picture. It's them and their own health and their own yeah. competition and their own goals. We'll see. Yep. There is no Olympic training camp, sadly, like the NFL that circus so that is cool, happening though. right now. Oh, for sure. All right, let's move on to another very, very interesting race. The 4x4 Mixed Relay is back for the second time ever, and the U.S. is the favorite after barely beating the Netherlands. Did you watch the finish of the U.S. against oh, the Netherlands? Oh, yes. That was absolutely one of the craziest finishes of all time because really, like, Femke Bull and the rest of the Netherlands squad, they had it. She was the perfect anchor, and she was able to take what was essentially, I think, the the U.S. and the Netherlands men were like tied basically. Yes, they were at the at the stripe, and then it went down to that anchor leg, and she got out to a big, you know, a big run. But the uh, the American runner was able to put a lot of pressure on Femke Bull, and Femke Bull tripped right before the line, like and ten meters before oh. the finish line. It was almost as if she thought she was crossing the stripe, and then she looked down, and not only did she trip, she dropped the baton, which is an automatic DQ. Yeah, which is so unbelievably tough, and it was it was a break for the U.S. You know, oh total break. It, it was a total they got break. Lucky. I mean, I I do have to say though, they were able to, you know, like put pressure on her. Yes, totally, and be able to make that force that mistake. But I feel like if that if that race ran mistake free, it's it's by a tenth. But the Netherlands would have won. So I don't know. Is this a fluke? Is oh. Complete fluke. And in fact, Fimka in the post-race interview, it was actually kind of funny because her other uh, relay team member, I forget the woman's name, was standing in the back and she looked a little bit frustrated with her teammate. You know, all support, but a little bit like, really, you were 10 meters behind giving us gold and then you dropped the baton? 
And Femko's like, you know what? It was a fluke. And there was just so much pressure behind me. Handled it with class. Did not, took all of the blame on herself. Very much handled it with class. But then said, I'm out for revenge. And she continued to take her revenge and won gold in the women's 400 meter hurdles later on in the day. So she brushed it off her shoulders. And don't you forget, the Netherlands will be back for the Olympics. And they're not going to let that happen. Oh, for sure. For sure. All right, finally, I would like to get to the 1,500-meter women's race just really, really quick. Uh, Noah Lyles, first of all, fastest okay. man in the world and looks to possibly take down Usain Bolt's record in the 200-meter final tonight. So that, watch that out would for be that. In, that would be insane. One of the fastest men in the world, definitely putting the American men and the sprinters on the national stage. But the 1,500-meter race, my personal favorite, loved it from high school, love it on the professional stage. Americans still did not place higher than 10th place in the final. Which means St. Pierre took the 10th place for the Americans in Tokyo, swapped places with Corey McGee. That was honestly kind of disappointing for how strong the American women's distance team is. Okay. But the semifinals were fast, fast, fast. You know it's a good sign when a bunch of the finalists, semifinalists did not make the final, had personal bests like PB, 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 6 through 10 all around the, across the board. Very, very hot, very, very fast. Laura Muir, however, took... Uh, added four seconds to her race. She's a UK 1,500-meter finalist. Took silver in Tokyo. Added four seconds to her race. Poor race for her. She'll be back for revenge. Also watch out for Nikki Hiltz. They are coming back. I definitely see them making the final of the Olympics. 1,500, my favorite race to watch out for. Heck yeah. That was a lot That was a lot of peanut butter right there. A lot of PBs going on. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Race to the Rings, fun segment. But we know that a lot of you listeners are more about Mizzou football, oh, Mizzou yeah. sports in general. So don't go anywhere. We are coming back with a football preview, and we're going to break down all of your Mizzou Tiger questions. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. XOXOXO. You getting these texts? Question mark. Where are you? What are you doing? OMG, you are making me mad. You better text me back. I'm waiting outside your house. Relentless, aggressive texting is like sending an angry robot to deliver your message. When does the robot become dangerous? Let us know at thatsnotcool.com. Thatsnotcool.com. Brought to you by the Ad Council. KCOU thanks its listeners, sponsors, and Cafe Berlin for their support of this station. Cafe Berlin offers locally sourced brunch and cocktails from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. with live music at night in downtown Columbia, unique waffle and drink specials weekly, plus a wide variety of vegan and vegetarian options. Additional information can be found at Cafe Berlin Como on Instagram. Are you the type of person who loves their community and wants it to be the best it can be? Now it's easier than ever to do your part. Go to RecycleMo.com to see just how easy it is to recycle the right way. Or, if you already recycle and want to be as efficient as possible, RecycleMo.com can tell you what should and should not be recycled in your area. Become part of the clean recycling movement today. It's the right thing to do. Sponsored by the Missouri Department of Natural Resources. All right, all right, all right. We uh, we, we kind of gave you the runaround on that last segment with all that racing talk, so I figured we'd play some uh, Runaround by Blues Traveler, one of my favorite like guilty pleasure bands. Very good at the harmonica, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about Mizzou football, M-I-Z. Football preview, yeah. Pigskin and barbecue, yeah. <laughs> anyway. That was really good, honestly. Thank you, thank you. Um, I was I was pulling off a really good Patrick Mahomes impression like a, like an hour ago, but I can't. My throat's too like dry. Now. I always forget that he has a subtle Southern accent until I watched him in interviews in the quarterback. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, he does. He he does. You know, he's he's you know little little is it yeah White House Texas yeah. Tyler Texas that kind of area. So he pulls out a little Texas. Every went to, once in a went while. to school in Lubbock, Lubbock. Very cool. So you know, anyway, but we're talking yeah we're talking Mizzou football. Gonna do a little preview here. I think the big question on everybody's mind, Abigail, is what are we going to do at quarterback? We've got three quarterbacks. I helped one of them find their uh, class on uh, on Tuesday. No way. Or actually, no, no, it was it was Monday actually. Yeah, I was walking out of J forty two hundred, 
and my friend Jaden Baumel, I who used to have a show here, he might still have a show here, I'm not sure. Um, we were we were talking about he was like, Yeah, I've got this class in Memorial Student Union. And I was like, Oh, I'm walking to Memorial because I gotta get my shuttle. And so we were walking together and he was like, All right, well, I, I gotta I guess I gotta go up to like the right tower or something. I'm like, Oh, cool. Well, see you, Jaden. Walk in, see I see Jake Garcia. And I'm like, hey, it's Jake Garcia. And then he like stops in the middle of Memorial Student Union and is like looking around like a lost, like a like a lost dog. And I'm like, so I go to him, I'm like, hey man, are you looking for a class? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, are you looking for Psych 3225? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, my friend has that. It's in the other tower, man. He's like, oh man, hey, thank you so much. And he went on his merry way. So look at you. You know, I might, I, I got it in with the football team, so I. Keep it here on KCOU Sports. We're going to be breaking some news this season. Put the service in SEC, <laughs> honestly. A good reminder, though, that Jake Garcia is a student athlete. Oh, all yeah. these people are student athletes. I, I forget about that sometimes. Yeah, no. You and know? I think the media that's eviscerating this QB camp discussion also could use that <laughs> reminder every once yeah. in a while. You know, these are, these are, these are like 20-year-olds. still They're going at, to their psych class. <laughs> yeah, dude's got psych class at like 11 o'clock in Memorial <laughs> Student Union. Can we all calm down about the articles, like shouting for, like, I don't know, man. But any, uh, anyway, but so, let's not calm down just yet because yeah, I think we, we gotta we, talk about we it. We do actually have to talk about this though. So, Drinkwitz said that Horn and Cook will get a chance to start Game One. Who Abigail are you more excited to see? What do you think about Garcia? Do you think that you know? Uh, what, what what's your opinions on this QB room? I am definitely more excited to see Sam Horn because I've already seen Brady Cook. Cook cooked Ooh. for an entire season. I think we kind of know his ceiling. I know what he can do, what he can't do, where his faults lie. We know that he's not the greatest decision maker when it comes to downfield passes. We know that he's got some really fast legs, and I think that's what put him over Garcia and definitely Horn to start. I think Sam Horn deserves the shot to get on the field and say, this is this is how I play football. This is how I can manage an offense. I think Cook will literally get the very first snap. He's a captain on the team this year. He returns a lot of strong leadership, clearly well-respected by the team. And for all of those things, I commend him. I think he is a strong person, strong student athlete. But we know his potential. I mentioned this on Salute Your Sports the hour prior, and I said perhaps the only thing we don't know is that under a new offensive coordinator, Kirby Moore, can he become more consistent and throw for your interceptions? But that does not make him more stellar. It just makes him less of a threat to offense security in general okay i think he'll get the first snap i hope horn gets enough snaps that we can judge him fairly for his ability to play football as well okay okay i kind of feel like i feel like first of all i feel like cook's the guy at least right now i feel like he's on a very very thin leash but i don't know i just i really do like his rushing ability and i feel like it was it was something that didn't get explored till towards the end of the season when we started you know bringing it back and winning against arkansas I, I think that's kind of what sets him apart from the rest. I mean, I am excited to see what Sam Horn can do. I'm excited, you know, if Jake Garcia is the guy, I'm excited to see what he can do. But I really don't think we would be having this discussion if we had beaten Kentucky, if we had beaten Georgia, and if we had beaten Auburn. If we had beaten those three teams, which we were literally right there, literally, like, little, like, inches from having a 9-3 and three season, basically, uh, with wins against Georgia and Auburn. Like, but did he not throw interceptions in all three of those games? I don't believe he threw one in Georgia. But I, I don't think he threw one in Georgia. But I mean, the offense wasn't really doing much in Georgia. I'm not gonna lie. Exactly. But the thing is, is if that's that's the only like to me, like we've seen that he can he can make some big plays. We can see that he can run the ball. The big thing is that he throws a lot of interceptions. And if he just tightens that down, which is something you can learn to do, I feel like Brady Cook isn't going to be a bad option. Uh, I don't know. I'm just not as excited as you are. I I think he's a decent player. I don't see him playing much differently than he did last year. And last year, we lost to Auburn, and we should have beat Auburn. We beat Vanderbilt by three points. I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. Yeah. You know? Like, I just don't see what has changed for him in the offseason. And I don't know. I am not a scout. I am not a Missouri football beat reporter, so I have not had the privilege of going to the training camps. I trust their judgment. It sounds like the scouts seem like he is a reliable first option, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. A new season, an offensive coordinator is something that he hasn't had the value of working under yet. I just don't necessarily think he can make huge strides that we haven't already seen out of him. 
And also to your point about him running, and I seem to be the only person at KCOU that doesn't appreciate this value in him. I don't think he should be Missouri's RB1 at all. I don't like when he starts running the ball. Yes, he has good legs. Yes, he definitely is fast. We have stronger, larger running backs for that position. That tends to be his MO, and I think it's almost kind of a safe space for when he decides he's a little too nervous to pass the ball. I would rather him use our wide receivers, utilize Burden and Cooper, than just I'm going to give it the five yards. I also think that puts him in a very injury-prone position. I mean, I don't know. Well, but no one seems to agree with me about that. Everyone, everyone touts Cook's running ability, which I don't, I'm not saying it's not, he's not a strong runner, but he is our quarterback. I would like to see him be more of a quarterback than a strong running back. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Abigail does not like dual threat quarterbacks. <laughs> Hates them. <laughs> well, not, I like, speaking of. Sorry. No, 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 no. That's my thought. Okay. Okay. Speaking of dual threat, though, we might be looking at a dual threat Mizzou team with both the offense and defense under Blake Baker. Hey, oh. You know, it, it, it's kind of interesting because Baker, like, very, very good defensive coordinator. Mizzou's defense was way, way better than it was last season or the season before under Steve Wilkes. And he helped bring a lot of, you know, that defense back for 2023, you know. Uh, you know, with the transfer portal, NFL draft, a lot of guys could have left. They ended up staying here. And I'm very excited to see the boy, Chris Abrams Drain, and the boy, Ennis Rakestra, step into an even bigger leadership role with the squad. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of young guys. There's a lot of veteran presence. And I feel like this defense, it's going to be a little bit scarier than people want to give it credit for. So, I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. I would think they were pretty scary last season. I think in those three main losses you mentioned, Georgia, Kentucky, and Auburn, the reason those were close, aside from, well, yeah, Kentucky was close, was because of Missouri's defense. Baker did everything he possibly could, and he revamped and created leaders out of four-year seniors. I love him. I really appreciate how he's realigned them. I think the loss of Isaiah McGuire is something we need to acknowledge. That's going to hurt. Uh, we gained Mizzou legacy defensive end Joe Moore III, whose dad played for Missouri in the 1970s. Wow. His dad's also Joe Moore, which makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Uh, his stats are fine. I, I'm not, like, I don't think he's going to replace Isaiah McGuire necessarily. However, it speaks to Baker's ability to recruit and keep people at home in Missouri. I think that's a value. I'm excited to see Sydney jo- Williams join Carlisle at safety. He's from FSU. He's a question mark. Uh, a lot of zeros on his stats page. I'm not necessarily seeing what value he'll bring, but I think he has potential, and I think those are kind of the most fun players to watch, especially in the first couple of games. Okay. I like Baker. Yeah. Baker is awesome. He did so much for Missouri's defense last season. So. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk schedule. Let's talk schedule here. What do you think is the most winnable SEC home game? I think South Carolina. It's the homecoming game. South Carolina does not seem to be a team that competes well against. <laughs> All right, side note here. What do you think is the most winnable oh, SEC home game, Blaze? No. Well, Read what you have on the page there. I said Vanderbilt. Because? It's homecoming. Yeah. You said Vandy because Vandy's football program is a joke. However, we do not play them at home. We don't play them at home. That's that's so embarrassing. I do think that I, Vandy is that a was, strong that SEC was, win, though. That was... I just... You know what they say about assuming you make a butt out of yourself on live radio. That's all right. I also think we're going to beat Vandy. I, I, I do think, no, I do think, though, that the South Carolina game, I mean, we've been, we've basically been whooping up on South Carolina for as long as I can remember. So my Go- only nervousness with that is because Missouri has beat them so many times in the past. This is the season that they decide to be complacent, and not beat them. But I don't think that's going to happen. Nah, I don't think so. I either. think South Carolina at home, at a homecoming game, Missouri. Created homecoming is homecoming. They're gonna they're gonna be fine. The S and SC stands for stinky offense because their offense is not gonna be good this year. So all right. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you think needs to happen to be five and zero before LSU potentially ranked even? They need to beat K State. They need to pull something, dig deep, beat K State, beat the ranked non conference opponent that everyone doesn't think they necessarily can, but maybe could. I think it's at home. Hopefully not the mud sludge that it was last season. K-State is not as good of a team. Missouri's offense is hopefully better of a team. I agree. Stay with K-State through the third quarter. Give yourself a chance. They can be 5-0. Yeah. Although I think they might lose to Memphis if they beat K-State. But that's just an aside. Interesting. I, I thought, you know, 
pretty much the only game that I was scared of Mizzou losing was K-State yeah. for obvious reasons. But, you know, it's a different quarterback. Adrian Martinez basically whooped up on, like, whooped up on the Tigers last season. And, you know, we'll see what we'll see what rising star Will Howard has to say. I feel like if we win that game, that is going to be the litmus test for how the season's going to go. Yeah. If we get blown out, I'm going to be like, all right, we're going like six and six. If we keep it close, maybe we win eight games. If we beat them, look out, America. National championship. Speaking of records, what record would make you pleased by the end of the season? Eight wins would make me happy. Okay. Seven wins would make me comfortably happy. Six wins is a disappointment. I think Frankwitz is a Nazi. <laughs> yeah, I I uh I said that nine would make my heart happy, but if we end up in the six seven range, Drinkwitz, no matter how good of a recruiter he is, I think we're gonna have to be like, all right, start lighting the fire here. He might get one more year to prove himself. I feel like I feel like this might be the proving year, but I don't know. If it's like one of those things where like Luther Burden gets injured and then yeah. it's like you know that kind of thing that i see it but you know obviously it depends on the context but if it's just a flat we only won six games with a full healthy roster then we're going to be looking at drink what's like all right buddy especially if two of those games were within three points after an obscurely strange way to lose that no one other team in cfb <laughs> history has ever lost in that oh. way don't don't remind me. Did I've you like, see they changed the uh, punts or kickoff rule though after the loss Missouri's loss last year? Oh, to with the the like roughing like the punter behind you. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, that would have been helpful. Yeah, this should have been in the rule book thirty years ago. Yay! Because it's not like that doesn't happen all the time. Oh my gosh! <laughs> anyway, so real quick, let's let's talk Thursday night. We got the first game against South Dakota Thursday night. Very excited. Seven o'clock. Be there or you are square. What can you expect? I'm expecting full crowds. It's the beginning of Labor Day weekend. Excitement Whoop. in the air. Whoop. Cheaper prices on the concession stands. Yeah, $2 hot dogs. A lot of people with some water bottles, some hot dogs, chicken tenders for myself. I'm excited. Oh, excited? Expecting a Expecting. lot of excitement and energy and hopeful expectation for the upcoming season. Okay, okay. Um, me personally, I'm expecting a blowout, but I'm also expecting <laughs> that too. I, I'm Hopefully. expecting to see a look into our offense and perhaps, you know, around the third quarter, let's see if any of these camp standouts that were maybe sitting second string, yes. see what they can do. Now, what do you want to see from Brady Cook? Run for fun, but don't run because the offense is relying on you. Okay. I said, take care of the ball. I don't want to see him have a 50% touchdown to interception ratio again, or we're going to be in for a frustrating season. Now, what athlete are you most excited to see take the field? Mookie Cooper! <laughs> Only one career touchdown took That's... place in 2021, but he averages 11 yards a play. He took more snaps last season than in 2021. He's building. I'm excited to see how the offseason he has developed under Kirby Moore. I think he's WR2. I'm excited. Yeah, he's definitely one of those players that you like get to see develop like over the course yes. of year by year by year. And I think like this year is his time to be like an actual like weapon where people are going to be talking about him on the SEC network kind of thing. Especially I, with Lovett's departure, and he's a fan favorite. Oh yeah, throw him in, get him some snaps, get him some snaps. I'm most excited to see Luther Burden. He's a one man offensive machine. He's only getting better. But I'm also excited to see four star redshirt freshman Brett Norfleet as he looks to get involved in the tight end rotation. I feel like he's going to be very good, not only as a receiver, but perhaps as a blocker as well. There you go. Now, I, you were talking about the you talking about the the cheap stuff, you know. You got some fan friendly pricing. What say you? I say, Desiree Reed Francois is single handedly defeating inflation and the goats. Facts. I mean, no nothing else can you buy right now that's decreasing in price, <laughs> especially concessions in a football stadium. Oh, and she for sure. said, bet, let me try. Actually, I believe it's her assistant uh, athletic director. I believe she credited him. I don't have his name at the top of my tongue right now, but he is someone who was also making moves to get these prices lower for fans, especially waters. A bottle of water should be $2, especially in this high heat. I'm oh, so for excited. Sure. And it proves her investment in fans and building a team around the supportive fans and also proves that she's probably reading the fan surveys that she sends out. And I really appreciate that because oh, I take time sure. to fill those out. For sure. I mean, I didn't expect a crowd full of college students to pay like $7 for a hot dog and like $5 for a soda. That sucks. I I hate doing that. Yeah, it's like brutal. it's legitimately terrible going to like Bush Stadium and being like, "Oh boy, I want a soda." 
got to pay $5 when I can go to Casey's and get a 32-ounce soda for like $1.20. Yay. True. I I'm, I'm very excited to see it. It's great. Now, there is one last change. No more track around the field. Abigail, you don't seem as excited about that. I really don't care. I, I saw just such an uproar on Twitter about this. Maybe it's because I'm not a Mizzou Legacy fan. I have no sentimental connection to the track. I felt like it looked kind of strange. This is not a high school yeah. football stadium. We have I, our own separate track. I think Mizzou should improve its indoor and outdoor track for our track athletes. Yeah. But I don't care. We didn't use that track anyway for no. track and field. I don't get it. Like I didn't get the hype behind the track. It I know, makes I didn't it, it makes it look like a high school field because every high school field has a track around the football field. Now, if this affects whether or not the yellow fire truck can go around before game, then I will care because that's cool. Yeah, I doubt it. I think there's. I'll I think they just out. added more green space. Yeah. Which makes sense. Like, why would you like? I don't know. Why did we even have that track in the first place? Like, I get. Sure. I understand that it was there previously. But, like, whenever they upgraded the stadium however many years ago, they should have just gotten rid of it. Yeah. I don't understand why legacy fans are like, no, not my track. Now my Mizzou <laughs> puzzle that I made, like, five years ago is inaccurate. <laughs> now, if they get rid of the block M. Oh, and then works. we riot. <laughs> no, they need to make Mega Hill, you know? Just expand the M. Yes, yes. Colin, at Colin and Como on Twitter, my, my good friend <laughs> Colin, he has been absolutely, like, Going ham on this campaign to make a make that hill even bigger, More as big rocks. as humanly possible. Yes, that definitely starts to tap into fan seating though on the hill. It's a good place for like youngsters to sit. Yeah, you just make it even bigger. More more kids, more people, more fun. <laughs> bigger attendance. <laughs> so true. I've run the. At up. least we have an end zone that's not Vandy right now. Like at least we have a completed hill where people can stand and watch yeah, the game facts. for the opening game. For sure. All right, we're going to kick it to one last break. We don't have anything planned to talk about, but we'll, we'll get it figured out. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Free talk. Woo! Superman! Man, am I glad to see you! What are you doing on this deserted road? Some guys from school drove out here and we're going to start fooling around with drugs. When I told them all drugs do is mess up your head and get you in a lot of trouble, they kicked me out of the van and drove off. You're right not to get involved in the drug scene. Nobody with any sense wants any part of it. How do I get home? That's no problem at all. KCOU 88.1. Gotta stay in tune, cause we never gonna be done. Stay coming with the flame like we walk a flock in the pain. Understand that it's DNA and I do my thing. Yeah. <laughs> wow! We're back. Little little Pearl Jam. Little Pearl Jam. So yeah, we actually didn't plan anything for this segment. Um, I wish I would have. I I, I kind of was thinking there was rumors about the Drake album coming out, so I was gonna like throw together a little Drake game, but it just you know didn't happen. So oops. That's oops. all right. We'll kick it to some breaking news because what's your breaking news? I've been following the World Cup closer than I normally do. I can't pretend to be a soccer expert. However, I have been following the Spanish women's team because of all of the issues surrounding their administration and the Spanish Federation and their coach, who many of the Spanish women did not even compete on this year's World Cup team strictly because of the coach. There have been a lot of complaints filed against him even prior to the World Cup team. And despite them taking gold, many fans and players were still completely upset with his treatment of the staff and of the team. And then this just broke this to the morning. Uh, according to Just Women Sports on Instagram, he is refusing to step down as coach. And the Spanish manager, Jorge Vilda, is clapping along, saying, yes, absolutely, he should refuse to step down, promising Vilda a new contract despite players Ooh. refusing to play on the team because of this man's inappropriate behavior. He even kissed forcefully kissed a Spanish woman after winning the World Cup. He has claimed it was consensual. She has claimed it was not. Obviously, he has been very vilified for that on social media. Absolutely unacceptable behavior from a person in power. Unacceptable behavior from anyone. And then to have the audacity to refuse to step down. Absolutely ridiculous. And just kind of unfortunate because it sours such a strong World Cup performance oh, from yeah. the Spanish women who should be getting all of the praise and attention right now. And instead, the Spanish government or excuse me, not the Spanish government. The Spanish government has said they will, quote, start proceedings to spend Rubiales right now. But the fact that he's refusing to step down is just absolutely abhorrent. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it it really does stink because this is like the biggest World Cup in, or the biggest Women's World Cup 
yes. in history. Like this was like this was the big one, you know. High viewership, highest viewership, highest ratings, highest interaction on many social media. Yeah, like now, internationally, women's of course a little bit less viewership with them leaving the World Cup early, but Yeah, yeah. Just but really really upsetting. It is it is very upsetting and it's also it, it's just so crazy that this can happen like in in 2023 where like I feel like you know we we've gotten to a point now in society where we've gotten a lot better at calling this kind of stuff out and being like okay that's not okay and it's really like kind of like the subtle stuff that has been like going under the radar but this was like unsubtle like if you watch the video it is very clear what is happening and it's disturbing and the fact that he has tried to defend himself and then also been like no no she said it was cool like come on come on there is photographic evidence and not only the kiss, which was just absolutely disgusting. And like, also I feel so awful for the woman that was involved in that the yeah. athlete who had just won the world cup and oh, now yeah. has to deal with that and has to deal with seeing a picture of that everywhere. That's awful. Uh-huh. First of all, all the praise to the Spanish women. That should be where the storyline is. Congratulations to them. Played an amazing world cup. Good on them. Like that should be where all of the attention and praise is. The women's sports storyline should be about the fantastic female athletes that are competing at such a high level. Oh, for sure. But the fact that there's photo evidence and also video evidence earlier on in the tournament of Spanish women not even refusing to give him a high five, refusing to hug him, refusing to anyway interact with him as they go to the bench after the games, clearly stating we are playing for our country. We are not playing for you. We do not <laughs> yeah. want to play for you. Yeah. The Spanish Federation did not step in to protect us. And you remain there. And you remain just kind of a sore on this team. Just kind of infuriating. But I am hopeful that the Spanish government is now stepping in and saying, don't worry, we're going to suspend him. We are going to take measures that honestly should have been taken before the World Cup began. Oh, for sure. But hopefully before the Olympics, this is settled out and the women that wanted to compete in the World Cup can return and play under someone who they feel comfortable and safe as with a coach. I mean, yeah, like it's going to be absolutely devastating if, you know, this very, very good women's World Cup team is just, you know, kind of splits apart as because, you know, the administration can't fire somebody who should very obviously be fired. So on the other hand, the USA women leaving in honestly kind of a disappointing fashion round of 16, the earliest they have left ever in World Cup history. They were looking to three Pete. Or four, Pete? Had they already run three in a row? I forget. But looking to compete much further along than the round of 16. Definitely high expectations. Didn't quite meet them, but we'll be back with a fury come 2024. They're another team to watch in our Race for the Rings segment. Oh, 100%. Very excited to see that. Anyway, we got to wind this show down here. But we appreciate you guys for listening. Please follow us on our social media pages, at MixedDoubleKCOU on Instagram. You can check us out on streaming on at Mixed Doubles on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, thank you guys so much. This is our new time, Friday at 1. Come check us out. But uh, yeah, that was Mixed Doubles. And this is Pawn Shop by Kara Jackson. <laughs>